Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. men grace the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publisher and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at com. It's at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Lark. He hails from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe! Welcome uh, to the show this evening. Every time I get an intro from you, Captain, I still love it. And every time you say Red Grange and Steve Larchin, I can't think of two things on opposite end of the collecting spectrum more than that. Well, all I can say is if I hear Red Grange or I hear Steve Largent, I know somehow, somewhere, <laughs> we'll be possibly involved in that piece of memorabilia card whatever it may be, for you are Mr. Rick Grange and Mr. Steve Largent combined. Joe, and we're back. I learned it from the back. I learned, learned it from some of the best on our, on our groups. I love it. We're back. It's September, and uh, we, we have the great unknown of the football season starting or not starting. And uh, let's skip, skip all that talk, and let's dive right into some memorabilia. There was a very, or there is a very interesting 1958 Tops football uncut sheet floating around uh, on the bay. Give us a little uh, background on that. Oh, my, Bob. Seriously. And just about uh, 10 days ago, saw it pop up on eBay. And uh, as you know, one of my, you know, two, three times a week, I'm searching for uncut sheets on eBay and other auctions. And, uh, uh, you know, just uncut football sheet run would be, you know, obviously 35 chickle. Let's plant the flag. That's my white whale, but right up there, the 58 tops has got to be one of the, one of the ones. And uh, it, it appeared, obviously the price of more than double. I bought my first house for if somebody had it listed for the, uh, Hey, reach out to me <laughs> price of $165,000, but at least they had free shipping. Uh, well, well, okay. I was just going to ask, is it free shipping or not? I mean, <laughs> 
We'll when you're doing price. 155k, we'll we'll throw we'll we'll throw you the bone of the free shipping, okay? And <laughs> that should seal the deal. For that amount, right, they should ahead, fly the damn thing out to Portland. Uh, I would drive it out. Some, I mean, it, it's uh, 132 cards, 12 by 11. Uh, you know, uh, the full set. You know, 1958 is 132 cards. Jim Brown, top row, second from the right. Stunning, uncreased, beautiful colors, beautiful centering, no PDs. Uh, there's a crease on the sheet uh, about you know about a you know two thirds of the way down, but who cares when something's you know 60 years old? At some point, uh, you expect it to have a few dings. Uh, just an amazing sheet. I immediately reached out to the seller and like, what the hell? Where did you get this? And uh, and he was he at, you know it's funny when you ping somebody on eBay you know you have to ask them a question, and then half the time you you get really you know you know cryptic replies one word. This guy was very right. gracious. I mean, just two three paragraphs. Yeah, I found it here. I used to collect this set, uh, the fifty eight set, and at one point I thought a uh, you know a, you know a, a nice complimental piece would be the uncut sheet. It became available. I sold my six to one basketball set. He was just, he went into his life story and I'm, so I sent him a couple pictures of some of my sheets. I'm like, yeah, ditto. I had the 57 top set. I love the sheet. And then he, you know, through channel, you know, you can't give an email address or phone number. He said, Hey, look, look me up on my website right here. And uh, my phone number's there. If you want to chat, uh, and called and left a message about three days ago and haven't heard back, but I'm, I'm sure he will. What a gracious guy. And I just, it's, it's cool to see that off of eBay somebody who's a fellow collector, and what an amazing mm-hmm. sheet. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. $165,000 is a, is a uh, you know, hey, check it out kind of price. I have no idea what a sheet like this is worth, but I would guess fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 easily. Probably fifteen if it was being sold. What do you think, Bob? Well, my gut feeling, if, if he had gone to an auction house, number one, they they probably would have given them a little better advice as far as the figure is concerned. My my realistic <laughs> view of it, and not to not to pump up the price of it, but I think it's it's probably forty to fifty thousand. That's my honest opinion. Oh my because Ow. I I I think they are beyond rare, to be honest yeah. with you. And um, with the brown rookie, that would be the driving force, in my opinion. Although I could be completely wrong on it, you know what I mean. You could, yeah, you you have a better handle on the uncut sheet market than I do, but just something of that historical significance, I I to me, I just think it would be, it's worth some serious money. I I do agree with you that the price he has it at is not realistic, and or yeah. that's the figure he needs to pay off a mortgage or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't figure it out. Type of thing. I'm looking at it now. So, I'm, on, I'm on eBay while we're doing the show, and I'm just looking at it now. There's a couple creases in it through the Sonny Jurgensen, through the John Unitas. Uh, yeah. so there's a couple creases in there, but still, you know, the uh, yeah, I'm counting three on the back. You know, there's a there's a lot better pictures, but you know, look at the pic this picture he has of the Jim Brown, the Jimmy Brown. It's just it's it's amazing. It'd be a shame to yeah. cut a, you know cut something like this up just for the Jim Brown, but I don't yeah. know. How many sheets are there like that? Yeah. I have a 69 sheet. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Did you say 1969? Did you say 69 or 59? 59. I have a three quarters of a 1959 sheet. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I think. Because of the rarity of it, it is worth more. But again, I, I threw out forty to fifty thousand. I could be completely off. I can't see it. I can't really see it higher than that in any way, shape, or form. Wow. Brown or no brown, you know what I mean? But uh, at the well, same I time, was, I could. Go ahead. I think I was. I think I was telling you about what well, was it about two months ago? A nineteen thirty-three Sports King uh, untouched right. sheet came up. You know the the Thorpe, the Grange. Uh, rock me. I mean, and I was like, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, you know, three football players out of 36. Uh, and it, it went for, I think, $65,000. I forget what price it went for, but I was yeah. stunned by that. Yeah. But, you know, there's two Babe Ruth's and one Ty Cobb in there. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, when you, when you bump heads with baseball collectors, 
Yeah, and to me, I thought that was a low price for that because of all the yeah. the, the, the stars of baseball there, which drove the whole set. And, you know, hardcore baseball collectors, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime pickup yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you just, you know, that's Here a it is. you never see around. You know? Yeah. So Here it is. I'm doing a show today know. from my office. I, I usually do the show from my home office, but I'm doing it from my work office today. And you've, I've sent you pictures of my work office. I my the entire back wall of my office it's 20 feet long is you know hanging with uncut sheets and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's just it would look so good right there <laughs> i don't know Bob. <laughs> it'll look good but at a much better price than yeah at some what he's advertising it for and what i just quoted you so but that's yeah. a you know that's a good a good basis to go by if that other sheet went for whatever 60 65k you know, maybe it'd be ha- it'd be worth half the amount. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a good handle. I never I never got into it as far as uncut sheets were concerned, and uh, their perceived value one way or the other, what what they are, what they aren't. So it's uh, it's amazing. Fourteen it's got- people watching it. Fourteen people watching it. So uh, including me, well, I'm sure a couple people that I pointed out to, but uh, it's been pointed out to me that I have a uh, a running. You know, you know, luck-filled history of when I bring things up on the Gridiron Greats podcast that uh, that things tend to fall my way. So I thought it was worth mentioning. 1958 sheet that came up just in case. You know, I want to keep my somebody has it out there. If somebody has (laughs) it out there, please contact us asap. We're available seven twenty-four three sixty-five. Think think about it, Captain. How many of these sheets? How many of these sheets are there? Well, that's the whole thing, and and it's it, to me they're they're in a way totally ignored out of the hobby because they are so rare. But they are, you know, to me, you are the uncut sheep, you know, in the market because you have so many. Number one, you've been doing this for a long time. You understand yeah. the uh, process of it, the printing process of it. So you know you know what the sheets look like, so on and so forth. So to me, it's an it's an amazing part of our hobby that really is totally overlooked to a large degree, and is un- misunderstood by a lot of people. And I and I think that's uh, you know that's both good and bad for the hobby at the same time. Because yeah. again, if we don't understand what the process was, you know, we really don't we don't have a handle where all these cards came from over the years. And yeah. uh, and I, I I I've been involved in printing most of my life because of my brother-in-law who who, uh, has owned printing companies all his life. And, um, you know, he, he, he publishes He prints gridiron grades for us. So I know a little bit about printing and as far as sheets and so on and so forth. But if you really think about it, and I, I always said this, there are no such things as diamond cuts in cards from the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, up to probably the mid eighties. So again, I don't understand how you could have a razor sharp 1949 leaf or 52 uh, Bowman large card. I I, I, I yeah. just don't see it. I don't understand it. I can't fathom it. So you know, again, here's something that we could say. Okay, the cutting of the cards back then was dramatically different than the than the laser cuts that they they use today. I mean, the cutters yes. today are laser cutters, so there's no there's no error. That's what it comes down to, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's totally. it's, it's an it's an amazing uh, amazing part of our hobby that I really feel is really has never been touched upon and talked about a lot because there's there's very few people know anything about it. And uh, you know, over the years of being in the hobby for fifty plus years, I say to myself, the only thing I ever really handled were 1960 flare strips football. Yeah. Um, I've, I've handled a lot of them over the years for whatever reason. They seem to be common here in Connecticut. And, um, you know, and that's about it. And that 63 scrap piece that I bought that I sent you, sent to you um, that I found at an antique shop, which to me was, was, was a throwaway by the, uh, the printer more than anything else. Yeah. So well, sheets are hard to store. A lot of people don't collect them. Yeah, exactly. People that I've yeah, heard, it's yeah. like it's hard to store. What am I supposed to frame it? And then you know, it's hard to put on the wall. Uh, I mean, and yep. if I'm not going to frame it, what am I going to do with it? And uh, I've just I've committed myself. I have a room where I built a shelf that's 
you know, like a four by eight. It's a piece of, uh, you know, large flat MD, uh, you know, of MDF. And then I have something that lays on top of it. So, I mean, I've committed to storing these things uh, and I've got them hanging mm-hmm. on my wall. So it's, just, you know, so now it's easy. Yep. Yep. So you're, you're actually enjoying it and, and you can, you can view it. And, uh, you know, it's a good reference tool at the same time. Because then yeah. you see what the four, four corner cards are on the sheets, because they're going to be in the worst condition of any of the cards, uh, including most of the top row and the bottom row. So uh, yeah. again, like I said, it's way overlooked. It's it's way up misunderstood, and uh, I think I should commission you to write a book on them, and uh, we'll publish <laughs> it. Through well, Iron Great articles I'm working on right now. Uh, I've I've sent you the templates for a few, but I I got a couple, and then I was downstairs rummaging around in my, in my you know my you know my man cave, and I came across some 1976 uh, you know Seattle Seahawks Fred Myers, you know issue, uh, and they're beautiful looking set, and I'm like you know what, Gridiron Greats needs an article on 1976 Fred Myers Seahawks, so oh, yeah. that's the yeah. next one I'm starting. I- you know, it's funny. In all the years I've collected, that that I've always wanted one of those as just as a type piece, um, just to see what they like. And I think I, I I had at one time, I may still have it. Was a Fred Meyer Canadian CFL card, and they seem to be oversized. And they must have what they do put them in the potato chip bags or whatever, or the food yeah. bag. Or, okay, yeah. So that, yeah, that's very interesting to me. I mean, you know. Again, that's a very that to me is still an overlooked part of the hobby. Is all these different oddball sets that were issued over the years, and uh, yeah, you know where they came from. You're the expert. You're the expert. Um, you've you've done a lot more of them than I have. I mean, you're, you're I, I know the local stuff. You're the guy, you know, talking about. Yeah, you do. You know a lot more about them than I do. Well, I've been collecting it all my life too, and I and I always I always said to myself, I. I, I have a really tough time getting rid of a lot of my oddball stuff. And, again, I don't mind helping somebody out if they need one or two to finish their sets or whatever. But they're, they're so darn tough to find. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're, to me, it's, it's a heck of an accomplishment when you when you finish whatever kind of, you know, a Fred, 1976 Fred Meyer set or uh, a 1980 Tampa Bay Bucks uh, police set. Uh, which is not really a police set, but was issued by a local electronics distributor down there. Those things are rarer than rare, and uh, it's, yeah. it's just it fascinates me. It really fascinates me. I gotta say this: oh. two sets I finished, and I and I just I was so excited when I finished them. One was my '62 Post serial set, and I'm talking years later, and my '62 '63 Salada T coin set. When I found the last yeah. piece, the last card and the last coin for those sets. Man, oh man! I, I must have looked at those albums ten times over uh, when I when I put the last card in the sheet and the last coin in the sheet. It was just incredible, incredible feeling. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. those are tough, tough stuff to put together. It's it's they're, they're difficult yeah. to say the least. Oh. Okay. But, that, there's a there's a reason you know a lot about all these esoteric local sets. There, there's a reason they call you the captain, and I'm just Joe Squires <laughs> because of that. Uh, I, I truly enjoy. I, I just truly enjoy collecting oddball stuff. I, I just uh, I, I love it. I love oddball card sets, and I particularly love the era of '48 to '88. Those to me, that that 30 year period, I could I could get rid of everything else, but just keep my '48 to '88 oddball stuff. It's just truly yeah. amazing. Yeah, the other the other thing that's overlooked, and we talked about this uh, were police sets. Um, I I. Yeah. Finally, did an uh-huh. inventory of what I actually had of them. I said, "Holy mackerel! I couldn't believe how many I had uh, squirreled away of those." And um, oh. those I enjoy because they got a lot of you got stars in them, and uh, they're, they're not they're, they're not you know to me overly readily available. I mean, they are you know they are in the market, but uh, this well, is not a great it, demand it's for them. And, uh, I, yeah, I discovered the police exactly. sets. Obviously, putting together my large and master set. Uh, and I, yep. I thought yep. that was a local thing that only you know, only Seattle put out the police sets. Uh, and I was, it was kind of interesting when I discovered other yep. you know, police sets, like from Pittsburgh. Uh, was that pretty much a, a national thing? Because they're what, 79 to 89 was when the police sets were yep. put out? Is yep. that? Yep. So does every yeah, city have a 79 to 89? 
Well, most of them did, um, but not all of them. And um, a lot of of the sets were well. The the biggest popularity was seventy nine, eighty, eighty one, eighty two, and then it pretty much died out, in my opinion, eighty nine, ninety. I mean, there still are teams like the Packers that are still doing them, and uh, the Packers uh, sets didn't start until eighty three. So that was kind of interesting. But there were there were big. You know, big teams, 79, Kansas City Chiefs were, were very popular, uh, 79 through 89. And uh, Vikings also, Cardinals had a couple of sets in between. Seattle had sets in between. Yeah, yeah. So, and Detroit Lions had them too. So, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's, it's very uh, interesting and very historical. And at the same time, uh, they're very, very interesting cards of star players that you don't really see like large and like uh, Barry Sanders and others and and a lot of those sets and uh, they're fun. And there's a lot of college uh, sets too, police sets from that time frame that I own also. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Has has anyone cataloged the police sets? Like uh, how many different cities have them? Well, they would be in the Beckett book. You gotta, you gotta break it down from uh, team by team. Actually, I'll do that. I'll yeah. start going through it and and see what what teams had what what years. I'll start working on that. That'll be another project. Yeah, yeah. Be interesting. Pretty early. Like I said, I only know the I only know the Seattle ones, and I want to say it was ten years ago when I discovered you know other people had them. So, be curious to know how many yeah. how many variations of of you know, police sets there are. Pretty cool. Yeah. I know for a fact uh, the Packers are the longest running from 83 up to last season. I'm sure they'll do one this season. Oh, wow. Again. Yeah, so they've, they've been around a long time. And, and their sets will always hold value because you got Favre and you got Rodgers in them. So uh, yeah. those are the keys to those sets. Oh. All right. Our guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him to our show. He's been a lifelong professional football fan and Pittsburgh Steelers fan since the late 1970s. He's married with two children and lives in the greater Pittsburgh area and is a chemical engineer and head of technical development for an area chemical company. He collects almost any cards and collectibles associated with the Steelers and is always looking for a new item he has not seen to add to his collection. At this time, I'd like to introduce, as our special guest tonight, Mr. Derek Crawford. Derek, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome, Bob and Joe. Thank you for this opportunity. I can just sit and listen well, to you guys talk about seats and uh, and uh, police sets there because I'm rummaging through my binders. You're talking about police sets to find out what the year run for the Steelers were. <laughs> Good. I know thank I got a few. Thank you for know, welcome. I don't know which. I don't know which years I have. I'm going to check on that. But I'm going to lead off by asking you: How did you become interested in football and collecting? Uh, late 70s, uh, watching the, the, the playoff games, especially, and then the Super Bowls there for the Steelers uh, during that uh, awesome decade for the history of the team there. Uh, someone eventually had put a pack of Topps 1978 football cards in my hands, and I opened Yeah, That was it. I, it's one of those weird clarity points in your life where you, you, I remember the room I was in in my grandmother's house, uh, standing by a dresser, opening the cards, and then putting the cards one by one on the dresser top as I looked at them for the first time. It was just really neat, and it, I was—I I, got to tell you—I was—I was hooked in, and uh, that's—that's—that's that's, that's what started me. And then I, I looked in the backs of the cards and said, "Ah, oh, these have numbers on them, so there must be a lot of them." <laughs> and you know what I mean in your mind at that time. I was, yeah, and, 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 yeah, because then and then something else kind of triggered my mind. Why well, I don't like not having all of them. I, I want all of them, <laughs> and and that's kind of what started the bug for me. Wow, there you go. That's, that's good. funny, Derek. That my uh, my first set was '78. You know, as you know, had a little bit of an introduction to it. And then '79 is where I really took off. Yeah, no, the uh, the the cards there too. Uh, there was a couple years into it, and then uh, growing up in the Greater Pittsburgh area here, we live just in the northwest corner of Pittsburgh now. And but uh, growing up, uh, we I would I would scour all the local uh, you know uh, flea markets at the time for cards because there weren't really uh, card shops 
at least in my area that I knew of as a kid living in more rural Pittsburgh area. Uh, so I, I would do everything I could to get to a flea market to, to go and get more cards that, that were already open to, to understand more about what was going on. Hmm. Well, so did you grow up in the Pittsburgh area or is that where you're from? Yeah, I sure did. I grew up in the, the, we got our, my joke is we got our second red light 10 years ago in the little town of Periopolis, PA. <laughs> well, that's in the, the southeast corner of Pittsburgh. So I'm a, I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. Grew up in uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, and, uh, so, I mean, you know, I, you know, we were the AFC West up until like 2001. And so I grew up learning to hate, you know, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chiefs, you know, stuff like that. And now that we're still in the NFC, now that we moved over to the NFC West, it's kind of funny. I, you know, went to a, you know, Seahawk Raiders game and I made a sign that said, you know, some, you know, you know, some AFC West rivalries, rivalries never die. You know, you know, and people didn't get it. I'm like, well, I still don't like the Raiders. You know, my, my two favorite teams, the Seattle Seahawks and whoever, whoever's playing the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, I just, I'm, I don't like the Raiders. Just, and it's just from that AFC days. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this is the Pittsburgh Steelers are number three on that list just because of uh, beating the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl in 2005. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, my friend. Uh, which also Uh-oh. leads to the question, uh, you know, so obviously you just kind of gave us a hint into how you started get how you started collecting Pittsburgh Steelers and Steelers memorabilia, and, you know, how'd you get into that? And I assumed you either lost a bet or you grew up in the area, so. <laughs> well, I grew up in the area, and, and, yeah, and, and what really turbocharged things was, you know, you go through life, and definitely in the collecting universe here, and 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 if you're blessed enough, you'll get kind of a mentor figure. Well, that was my best friend's from high school's dad. I would I would ride my bicycle a couple miles down to his house uh, back in the days when you could do that and not care about all the stuff that could go on. And uh, uh, it was just such a fun thing. Is Candyland was this guy's garage, and it still is to this day. Bless his heart. He's uh, he's in his mid 80s, and he's going strong, and still collecting, and still going to flea markets as best he can now, and collecting stuff. I mean, everything with the word Steelers on for themes. And so, yeah, that's what I was as a kid. When in 1982, he put into my hands an unopened uh, pack. A cello pack that was in a cardboard box of 1971 football cards. He goes, "You like the Steelers? You don't ever open this because Terry Bradshaw could be in there." Wow! And I'll never wow. forget that day. And it's not the item, as you guys know. It's the fact that he he taught me how to open up the pack in the proper way so that you didn't damage the pack either, because you wanted to collect the wax paper package that came in and. He just had a great way, and I'd never even thought about some of this stuff, but he kind of taught me how do you put the cards into the nine-page sleeves and, and how do you take care of them properly? What's a D-ring binder? I didn't know, but I do now. <laughs> and, and and you just yeah. kind of get to that. So, so I was kind of, you know, I was the kid he didn't have. Now i got two kids that are, are, are not collectors either, unfortunately. They appreciate it, but I, I certainly had the bug, and he, and that's who really did that. It was such a blessing years later to call him up and say, Mr. Miller, I'm driving you and me to the national in Cleveland. That was uh, the two nationals in Cleveland to go. And I'm going to do everything for you. And we're just going to walk the show together. And I just want to say thank you for, for all the things you did to me, for me as a kid and, and uh, all the advice and stuff. So that's, that's my story on that. Wow. Uh, All right. So you took him to the national uh, both times yes. it was in Cleveland. Wow! No, nice. no. What's nice. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah, okay. two, yeah. The two times oh, okay. ago, the at Cleveland. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we I was able to to take them there, and uh, you know, just did it right. Walked there, spent a couple of days, got hotel rooms for each of us, and just just to 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 walk that show with him. And he had never been to a national. He just you know, wow. we're rolling. So it's not really something that was in the cards for him, so to speak. So 
uh, I, I, he just really, really enjoyed it. It was such an amazing thing. Wow. I obviously, well, we missed the national this year for certain, but it, it was just a treat. How cool is that? I mean, I, nobody wow. showed me how to take care of cards. I mean, I'm the kid who was putting a rubber band around them and throwing my lunch pail rattling around with the milk that spilled out of my thermos, you know? <laughs> it, I mean, he, he's a nice guy, but he was a tough love guy. He is a tough love guy. He'd hit you upside the head and say, what are you doing? Don't you know how to take care of something properly? And man, from day one, I, I like I learned how to te- you know treat the cards with reverence and uh, respect and all that good stuff. So I just I really just can't thank him enough. Wow, that's nice. That's great. That's great. I th- I'm wondering if I I talked to you guys at the national because I was set up both times with uh, MSB BST auctions at the time, and uh, I probably did talk to you and talk to him. Oh. That would have been interesting. Oh, I'm sure. so. Would have been very interesting. Yeah, no, I I guarantee you that I I know uh, I know Joe's face too, and I know that I've seen everybody at the national. But now it's just connecting the dots, and uh, I I mean, uh, I mean, being now a part of the VFC is has really been an awesome blessing because now I get to meet some of the guys, and I don't even think they realize who I am. It doesn't matter, but now I know who I got beat out on some auction decade. Uh, now it comes. Yeah, out. when the day after an auction ends, you you and you know it's like, hey, what did everybody win? You get to see like, oh, you're the dude who was outgunning me, you know, on that. <laughs> it, it is kind of funny. Uh, and it's like Jeff mentioned, you know, when he goes, it's it's getting kind of funny when an auction, you know, when an auction starts and you can you you recognize seventy percent of the auction items as somebody, and you know who the consigner is just because you've been around so long. <laughs> it is kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. it sure is. It's a great community, though, right? You know what I mean? It's a great community because of that. And there's the respect for each other, and it's just it's just really great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Derek, yeah. tell us about your uh, top six items in your collection. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, first one is uh, uh, I found a, a original photograph. It came from a wonderful uh, lady's home in the north side of Pittsburgh, uh, she was uh, a family member of uh, of a prominent uh, boxer at the time, and it was uh, and it is a photo of the J.P. Rooney's football team uh, that was in existence just about two seasons, 1931 and 1932, uh, uh, just prior to him getting the franchise in 33 for the then Pittsburgh Pirates football club, and nice. it was. Uh, JP is, you know, one of the one of the brothers, three brothers of Art Rooney, and um, uh, it was uh, during that time that that you saw in the photo both JP James and Art in the picture, and uh, it, it has the nice little megaphone, so it was definitely the official photo for the team that year, and and I, I've never seen another one like it, and and it just uh, it. Um, a good friend of mine, you know, how you, again, you get to be friends uh, in the town I live in now. There's a wonderful guy, Jeff Patton, who owns the baseball card castle in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. And he's so kind. Whenever he finds uh, older Steelers stuff and more diverse oddball stuff, he, he calls me first or emails me first and says, Derek, hey, I really think you need to check some of these things out. So sure enough, this was the latest thing. Um, she had sold most of the estate to Leland. Uh, but there were a lot of these extras there that she just kept finding in closets that she said, oh, hey, I, I guess I forgot to tell the folks about this. <laughs> so thankfully for me, uh, uh, this photo was, yeah. It's, wow. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It, wow. It's so far, wow. It's so fine. Like, yeah, I, I've heard reference and, and seen things. I know that one of the family, Rooney family members has um, some prints that they're selling online. And, and even had a, a line of sculptures made of the Hope Harvey team, which is the semi-pro team where actually all, all the Rooney brothers played uh, during the 20s. Um, but, but you can't find, or at least I have not found uh, photos uh, of the Hope Harvey team or the ones where they were affiliated for a couple of years with uh, um, the, the company Laughlin. I'm getting that name wrong. Pardon me, but uh, he was a seller of the Majestic Radio line, uh, which is a very famous line of uh, radios during those decades. And uh, I can't find anything in that area either. But to find the J.P. Rooney's was really special. So 
it was it's definitely on my chronological Steelers wall now down in my man cave. Huh. Very cool. Wow. What else you got? Ah, yeah. A couple of years later, uh, 1936 football signed uh, by the Pittsburgh Pirates football team versus the uh, uh, college all-stars. And uh, Elmer Layden has a great signature on the ball of, um, you know, the Notre Dame fame there. Uh, so it was really great. Uh, one or two of the players um, we know from the from from their names that that they only played during the '36 season, so it really gives a great time frame to the ball. The only thing I had to do is obviously get it um, the bladder replaced. But uh, there's a, a great guy in Cleveland, so professional, so kind. He was able to expertly undo the lacings without having to destroy the laces. A lot of times I understand you have to change out the laces afterwards, but he was able to right, right. the original. Yeah, and just put a new bladder in it so it could display better. But uh, that's pretty pretty wow. interesting football. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That is very common with football, so the laces need to be replaced and um uh, Although it may, dis- may to some people it may distract from the ball, it actually makes the ball look a lot more attractive. But in this case, and I'm looking at the picture of it that you sent us, uh, that 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 looks perfect as far as I'm concerned. Wow, what a job he did! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'd have to remember his name and let let folks know if they're interested in in getting a ball that's deflated redone. Yeah. I wouldn't have any because he was just so kind and so quick with it and a uh, good communicator. So yeah, that that's, um, it's, it's just, uh, it was, it was neat to find that. That was another find that came in through my friend Jeff at the baseball card castle. That's kind oh, of wow. the cheers for baseball collectors in the Pittsburgh area. They kind of come and hang out and loiter in Jeff's store and just talk sports and stuff. So it's kind of, kind of nice. Even with a mask on now, <laughs> we don't care. So people would come into the come in and talk about something, and he'd be like, "Well, we'd be in," and then he'd he'd let you know. So I mean, he was giving you heads up on a lot of stuff. Yeah, and that's yes, and that's really I mean beyond kind. He, he basically has the agreement that hey, if if rare things from the Pittsburgh Steelers and and uh, sports era come in, like when um, Bruce Tanner, Chuck Tanner, who who passed away a few years ago, the the Pirates uh, baseball coach. His son came in with remnants of his dad's estate. He allowed me to look through those items first. That's how I found a, a, a 1982 football from Art Rooney that inscribed it to Chuck Tanner, to my friend Chuck Tanner hmm. from Art wow. your friend. And, wow. I mean, that kind of stuff you just don't wear or won't see because they're unique. So, exactly. I'm getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got? Yeah, just uh, like programs and ticket stubs. I really love it. Yeah. I, I love the history of it. What I do on the – there's like uh, the way the game room set up in our, our house is that you have these little uh, footers around the ceilings where they put beams through. Well, it's the perfect size that I can fit uh, side-by-side um, game programs. So uh, I, I was able to find the first uh, Steelers game program from 1940 when he changed the name. Uh and as well as the, the first ever game ticket stub in excellent shape uh, from that game. So it's just neat to see the history of that. If you have them all in a row, you can see by the decade just how, you, you, Bob, you talked about printing before and, and your background in that. It, it's, it's wonderful for me to see how things have been marketed and sold and, and, and promoted during the years, like uh, 30s and then 40s, mm-hmm. war years, how much of an impact that was. It's just amazing. It's, we we collect the sport, but there's an art and Americana to it too. To me, some of the most attractive football stubs are from the 40s and 50s. I mean, they're they're just incredible pieces. The artwork, the uh, design work to it, and what actually had to go into it to print it, truly amazes yeah. me. And um, you know, that's that's a some of those tickets from those eras are just absolutely beautiful. They are. There. And the programs, too, because they're classic. Um, they're very classic as far as the pictures are concerned, the colorful front cover and or the design on the front cover, the cartoon, whatever it may be, just really adds so much to it. It's, just, uh, it's, it's, it's a lost art almost. 
It's amazing to yeah, see. I, yeah, I agree because it was about it was about the mid to late '80s when you went to the more high resolution photographs of the players on the program, right? Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're yeah, mass produced, so it's it's a lot different. So very different. Mm-hmm. So uh, next, I, I click penance as well. Uh, the the I found a very yeah 1944 pennant that the, from the war years when they combined the team. Uh, you know, 43 was the Steagles, uh, but the six cards were in 44. I'm not aware of any Steagles based Classic pennants. Classic Steagles. Classic Steagles. I love it. Yeah, so I, I uh, but the 44 uh, pit cards uh, pennant is what I had, and uh, it's really great because you see the 1944 on there, ultra rare. I, I, I've only seen a handful in existence. I got beat out at auctions uh, twice, and it's probably with VSC members. They're just not making themselves known to me. <laughs> but uh, but I was able to get this one the third time's a charm, right? And uh, just, I love it. I, and again, I try to collect the different types of memorabilia for the Steelers, in a chronological way. So in my basement on another wall, I'll have it from, from the 40s uh, on up to the present of the, of, the, of the pennants to kind of show the art and how the things have changed over the decades. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful panel. Those are cool. There's like an auction house that's dedicated only to pennants and stuff. I mean, Bob and I had another, you know, pennant collector on the, on the show, it's just, it's one of the facets of the hobby I've never even known about, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a, and it's, and the folks who know it, they know it. It's amazing. I, I've learned so much. There's a great guy that goes to the national every year from Texas and um, he, he's, he's wonderful. And, and he has a great uh, background on the penance there. And so it's just great to interact with him. And, and now again, those, those, those awesome pennant collector members at BFC, uh, just to see the depth and again the beauty of the art. It's 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 sports art. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I've been in hobby wild. Your 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 uh, call name on VFC is Terrible Towel seventy one. So I'm assuming the seventy one is when you were born. But you you know if you started collecting in seventy eight, you you you've been doing this a long time. You you've uh, you've got to have a couple good stories of bumping into other collectors. Uh, you know, just you know, in this and this, you know, you know, journey of your collection. You know, got any fun stories you can share with us? Oh yes, uh, definitely. Uh, just to uh, uh, you, you have the collecting stories. There's again a, a collector that uh, came into uh, Jeff's store again, and um, uh, he said, "Oh hey, there, there's somebody that wants to sell something." doesn't know what to do with it so she brought in this huge box of items and uh here she she was the granddaughter of one of the ladies who had who had worked uh, for the rooney family as a nanny um in in one and had this box full of stuff and it was uh, a mint uh super bowl nine program and and she said well this is what they said sat on mr rooney's desk that was one of the copies of her Super Bowl program that sat there. Now we have no way of proving that, but it was neat. And and in that box though was a letter opener that has uh, Art Rooney's name inscribed in the handle. And everyone who knows about uh, the chief uh, knows what a prolific writer he was. He was he was always so kind. And anybody who wrote him, he would write them back. I have postcards to different you know Pitt University uh, coaches and staff and and just different players. Uh, Tony Dorsett uh, as a player at, at Pitt, uh, wishing him the best and knowing that he'll have a great NFL career ahead of him. I mean, stuff like that. So I just picture him sitting at the desk that you see in some of the photos, maybe using the letter opener to open up some correspondence. That was my story of, uh, of another person that didn't really know what they had in that box of items. Wow. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. And, and that's the nice part about the hobby because – you never know where something would come from, and to have a providence like that is just, is just truly amazing to to uh, to actually see. And and again, the Rooney uh, the, the Rooney legacy is just so strong in Pittsburgh, and for everything they did for the team, so on and so forth. Having anything associated as a collectible that actually resided with him is yeah. even more amazing to me. So that, that's a that's a great part. Great part of a great story. 
That's great. That's great. Yeah. Backing up, back up a bit, um, tell us a little bit about those season-worn gloves that you had from 2008 oh. from Super Bowl 43. I think we skipped oh. that over. Let's, let's... Yeah. No, we did. I just um, uh, was looking there uh, at some items there, and I, I, I don't uh, – some of the game-use things, I mean, it's all budget-based. So, and, and some of the things for the Steelers are very hard to find. They've gone through decades where a lot of teams in the NFL will have uh, access to used uh, materials, but the Steelers were not one of those teams. I'll call the Rooney's frugal. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, so when you do find some things, it's pretty interesting. Um, what came in was uh, I was walking through a flea market, and there was a young guy there, and he says, hey, I, I actually help out in the equipment room. And some of these guys say that it's okay to take them, and I get them signed, and I bring them to the flea market. And uh, that's what—that's where I found these gloves. And uh, oh my lord! Wow! During that season, he has a unique wow. signature because the humble man want to sign his signature with his actual name, and he's done that since he was even at uh, USC in college. Um, so, uh, uh, but anyway, that, that's where it was. And I, I was able to photo match, uh, the gloves for that season and a photo. And also, if you just look at the base tops football card from that year of the Super Bowl 43 season, yeah, yeah. yeah, 2008 or so, um, I get that yeah. number right. Uh, then, um, you, you see him actually in the play, uh, with the, that exact glove type on, not obviously maybe not the exact same gloves, but that type for that year. Right, right, right. That was really amazing to find that. Sitting in the gravel on a plastic at the uh, Trader Jack's flea market south of Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, it it all goes to prove you never know when you're going to find. That's why, you you know, the hunt is always half the fun of collecting. So. Because yeah. that uh, like when you, you must have been jumping for joy yeah. when you saw that one. So, oh, definitely, wow. definitely. When you went to that antique shop, you said and found the uncut sheet. I mean, that's just like the wow moment. You, you'll have to go to twenty places or a hundred places, but it's that one place that gets you hooked for the next hundred visits. Yep, exactly. What What are you looking for uh, as far as any wantless or concern for your collection, if anything? Oh. Yeah. Oh no. There's there's a list. Uh, I, I uh, the uh, home game program from 1933 for the Pittsburgh Pirates football has eluded me. I got outbid uh, not once but twice. I got crushed <laughs> in auctions trying to get my grubby hands on a copy of a home game program. It's the only year I don't have a home game program for the Steelers. Uh, so I'd love to try to get that. I know of a couple uh, VFC members, but. Uh, if there's anybody out there that uh, is tired of their copy and wants to find a new home for it, contact me. Uh, but all, all kidding aside, uh, it's just something that, that that I can't find. Also, ticket stubs. I, I can't. I can't. Uh, the 30s ticket stubs are just so scarce. Um, uh, 33, 34, 35, and 30 are not the ones before. Uh, and, and even even if they have like scores and stuff written on them, I don't even care. I just want to see a copy just for the sake of seeing what they look like. And uh, mm-hmm. so those are some that we're looking for. Wow. Yeah. Cool. No, they're tough. I mean, especially in the 30s. I mean, as a couple of guests have mentioned, I mean, you think about paper drives of the war and just, I mean, and Bob and I have talked about, you know, how many, you know, house fires and floods and, you know, kids moving out and parents just throwing it away. I mean, that, that stuff's just getting harder and harder. No, um, that is true. Um that's why anything pre-1945, in my opinion, is rare, rare. Ticket stub or program or publication, whatever it may be. They, there's just not a lot of them around in any way, shape, or form. So but yeah. I'm sure you'll find it, though. Uh, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, I think it's well, like, patience, right? It's not jumping at the first thing if it's not for whatever reason in a condition or something that, that you wouldn't like. It's just staying the course and having fun with the hunt because that's where a lot of the joy is too, right? It's yep. the hunt. Absolutely. Derek, I like that. When I, when I when we have good, fun guests on, we like to uh, have a do a little pop quiz for them. Just uh, so settle in and 
I'm just going to give you two choices, A and B. And okay. what you need to do is answer with your first gut instinct, and then I'll let you know if that is the correct answer. So, all right, you ready? Yes, I am. You ready? All right. Choice A or B, Steel Curtain or Legion of Boom? Which one's better? (laughs) Steel Curtain. Curtain. I got to say Steel Curtain. (laughs) I mean, flip the card over and see what the answer is. No, the correct correct answer to that one is Legion of Boom. Sorry, Derek. (laughs) We're going to say that. Question, question number two. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> I'm a little less ready, but I think I'm ready now. Go ahead. All right. Terrible towel or twelfth man? Which one? Which one's oh, better? My. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I, 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 I eBay just seeing all the other namesakes in my universe for terrible towel. I got to go with the terrible towel. <laughs> let, me, let me flip the card over. No, that's the correct answer was 12th man. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> oh for two. Oh for two. But I, I think you can pull this out. A couple more questions. All right. Question number three. Chuck Knoll or Chuck Knox? Oh, my goodness. I, I, I got it. <laughs> Chuck Knoll. I'm staring. 1959 Cons Wieners Chuck Knoll card, and he wouldn't have me answer any other way. <laughs> All right, let me turn wow. the card over. You are correct. <laughs> Chuck Knoll. Chuck Knoll. You are oh, correct. Really? Chuck Knoll was the wow. answer there. Oh, okay. All right. This, this, this Seahawk fan is surprised that was the answer, but even I got to go with Chuck Knoll. I got to give the man, the old man, the nod. <laughs> All right, question number four. Are you ready? Yes. Lynn Swan. Or Steve Largent. Oh, oh wow. Wow, wow. I should have warned you on that one. You know what? I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say A and B for different reasons. Just bear with me here. You gotta go with Largent for the, the total career uh achievements there, but 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 you gotta go Lynn Swan because of those truly ballet like catches that he had in those uh late seventies years. Let me turn the card over and see. Wow, you nailed that. It says Steve Largent with an asterisk, but Lynn Swan had some pretty nice catches. So, no, that right oh. on, you nailed that one there. Well done. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's and what's amazing. funny is I, I, thought, it, of I thought it was Largent it's, hands down for, for an hour. Yes. I can't believe well, they would even do Steve that. Yeah, but, well, what's funny is the, the question originally said John Stallworth or Steve Largent, but I, it got changed to Lynn Swan at the last moment. Oh, <laughs> well, nice job, Eric. You, you got a twenty-five percent, three out of four there. That's a, that's a solid F minus. So well done. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a good one today. Wow. Better luck next show. Better luck next show, brother. All right, I'll try harder to study up. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get in the right frame of mind. You gotta know gotta know where the questions are coming from. Uh, yes. It's like it's like you do the question. Don't play the cards. You play the man. And, and don't worry because not, we've never had a guest get a hundred percent. So don't don't feel bad about it. I don't. I don't think oh, we're well. Good. Oh, good. Hey, we're, uh, we're getting that makes it feel better. We're we're getting uh, close to running out of time here. So I got to get in and ask you final thoughts and any advice for beginning collectors. For beginning collectors, um, buy the base product of stuff at first and just just enjoy cracking packs. And when you do want to get serious with higher-end things, do your homework. I mean, you know what? The research pays off if you're patient and you really try everything you can about something before you pull the trigger on it. So that, that would be my. Yeah. Good. That's true. Yeah, although very true. although uh, doing your homework for you, you uh, you crack wax packs is getting a little more expensive lately, especially if you like your seventies. Uh, <laughs> yes, it sure it sure does, and that's that that is tougher for certain. I I haven't opened packs in 
in too long a time. And now, now with the newer stuff, um, the the way that they're engineering the scarcity, uh, it's it's I guess going the way of these case breaks and box breaks and pack breaks. And uh, actually, kind of funny. Last night was the first time I ever bid and won a Steelers uh, box break for for 2020 Panini Prism. And uh, got a handful of Chase Playpool cards. So I'm not not uh, not unhappy. So, but it was. I think that's kind of the way it goes. Some of these packs are hundreds of dollars each, and you have to kind of wonder if maybe it's better to just buy them post post opening. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem the problem with that is they're eliminating uh, set collecting, and and that's not a good to me. That's not a good sign for the hobby because again, if if you're only going to collect the player. You're only going to collect a team, you know. You've got a lot of sets over the years. That what, what's going to happen to those? Are there going to be any interest in them down the road? So, be interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm always uh, fascinating at the national now how many box break places there are, uh, dealers and tables set up, and uh, I I just don't get it. I but it is what it is. The hobby's a lot yeah, different exactly. than 1965. That's all I can say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Bob and Joe, I agree. I'm not personally; it's all subjective. But I'm not a fan of these case breaks. I did it once on a lark. I was really kind of underwhelmed by the whole process, and I'm just going to go and and uh, just get the packs that I knew and love. So, at least for me, anything 1989 and less is is good. And after that, I got to be really selective on what I think is worth putting in the collection there, just from just from a Standpoint of other things, I love. In fact, going oddball comments, I I love going after all the awesome oddball stuff now. It is so fun. Yeah, exactly. That's it's a great part of the hobby, to say the least. All right, Derek, we're almost out of time. Thanks for being on. We appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Got an amazing collection, and thanks for sharing with it, uh, sharing it with us tonight. Bob and Joe, thanks so much. I appreciate it, and be well. Hope to, uh, I'll be listening in on podcasts in the future. And guys, right back at you, Derek. Thank you. All right, we're almost out of time, and we're gonna go in our two-minute warning and wrap up, Joe. I'm handing it off to you. What'd you pick up on tonight's show? What a classy guy. What a great sense of humor. Uh, think about <laughs> you got you got to have a great sense of humor to come on the show, and to out of left field because for everybody listening, we have a script, you know, that we send to guests with some questions on it. So they, they know what's coming, <laughs> but then there's certain things that they don't know that are coming. <laughs> and by that, I mean, you know, some of the dumb stuff I throw out. Uh, so what a good sense of humor. So tip of my, tip of my hat to you, Derek. Nice, nice job. Well, Thanks for having a great sense of humor. We, we always, we always say the quiz is, is a, uh, is a part of the levity of the show, so it, it is what it is. <laughs> I've never failed not to laugh during one of the quizzes. So, but uh, I gotta say this: the uh, his, he's got an incredible collection, and uh, it's just yeah, so yeah. cool to hear how he started and Mr. Miller and talking about Mr. Miller and, and oh, how this he had a mentor in the hobby, and uh, that's what I feel really strongly about. I wish we had more mentors in the hobby showing young kids or you know, teenagers are showing guys in their 20s and 30s who'd want to pick pick up the hobby again. Yeah. You know, this is where we're at. This yeah. is what you should do. You know, this is how you open a pack yeah. of cards. And I, I never yeah, had I don't any think of that. that. I, was, I, don't, I don't think. Many, many years later. Yeah, yeah, many, many years later, I actually figured out a lot of stuff. And I always said this. I never knew there was what a set of cards was when I first started buying cards. I didn't know there were. 198 cards of the set. I had no clue. I mean, it wasn't until the 1970s I figured out that there there are all these sets, and uh, you know, it just never never made sense to me. All right, we're we're down yeah. about 40 seconds. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Joe, final thoughts. Great show, great guest. Thanks for putting it together, Captain. It was fun. It was great. And we'll be back hopefully in about uh, a week to 10 days with another show for September. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll be back. GridironGreatsMagazine.com. Thanks.
Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.